What I found is that when you train endurance training, your biomarkers for aging actually don't really get that much better, particularly your brain. So your brain produces BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's a protein that basically fertilizes your cells to grow, if you want to put it that way in a metaphor. And so your BDNF increases as you exercise. Why is that important? Because after age 25, our brains no longer are that plastic. We have to work for that plasticity. Plastic means you're able to learn new things. You're able to do new motor skills, all of it. Um, it also uh, is uh, works against Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases. So we need this BDNF. Yeah. And so, uh, yes, exercise does increase BDNF. But what I found was that if you're sprinting, it actually increases the BDNF more. And not only that, you're producing less oxidative stress, which is really, really hard to combat, combat, especially the longer your running is. Like the more, if you're doing ultra marathons, forget it. You're never going to consume enough antioxidants to combat that oxidative stress. Uh, so I found that all these different areas of, um, you know, of biomarkers of aging are getting better through sprinting instead of distance running. And of course I love sprinting. I do uh, the longer sprint, the 400 meters, but all types of sprinting, uh, really, really great for your aging. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. I'm so excited about this week's guest. I've got Cynthia Monteleone on the show for you. Cynthia is a Hawaiian resident living on the beautiful island of Maui. And truly, you guys, she is a modern day superwoman. She's a mother of three, a certified metabolic analytics practitioner, a 400 meter competitor and champion. She just won two more gold medals this month under her belt. Congratulations, Cynthia. And she really is someone who knows the importance of fueling the body for optimal health, longevity, and performance. To put it simply, she knows her shit. In this powerful episode, Cynthia shares her incredible wealth of high-quality, science-backed knowledge from accumulated research over the years and her experience working with her clients to perform life at optimal levels, whether that be for weight loss, hormonal balance, physical fitness, or competition, she helps her clients get to their goals. She was mentored under one of the greatest strength coaches of our time, Charles Poliquin, and she has an array of high-performing clients ranging from the busy entrepreneur mom to world-class athletes and Olympians. So I really think that that also supports her knowledge because she's not focused on just one type of individual. She's connected to you know your everyday woman to your Olympic athlete, and that gives her a lot more knowledge and insight on how to really guide an individual to perform at their most optimal levels of health and, you know, fitness and performance. So we get down on so many valuable topics, addressing health, fitness, empowering mindset, all the good stuff. So some of the topics are 
protein-centric diets, and how they aid in vital nutrition and energy enhancement through powerful neurotransmitters like dopamine. We talk about mainstream media myths and the truth behind healthy foods and diets. There's so much bad information out there. We discuss why it's important to tend to your health and to take care of you first and to be the warrior of your own research. We talk about how to combat chronic diseases such as diabetes and Alzheimer's with diet, sleep, and exercise regimens. We discuss recovery and rest periods for optimal muscle repair and health. We discuss the empowerment of living courageously and authentically. Straight up, you guys, this episode is rich with an expansive array of high-quality research and science-based facts that will leave you with lifestyle tips that you can begin implementing ASAP to maintain a healthier life, a life that you know feels great, looks great, and helps you perform great. That's the that's the magic triangle right there, right? The trifecta. So, you know, I'm really, really proud to have Cynthia on the podcast and to be able to share her incredible knowledge, her wisdom, her beautiful energy, and her passion to support you to feel, look, and perform at your most optimal states, no matter what you do and what age you are in your life. I highly recommend you check out her new book, Fast Over 40, a memoir and training book. It's a fast read with a lot of powerful tips and empowering messages. And definitely follow her on IG. She's at Fast Over 40. Links um, are in the show notes for you guys. So before I hit play, if you have not already given this podcast a five-star rating and review via iTunes or the link in my show notes, please take a minute to do that. It helps me and my team so much. You know, it really helps this podcast to grow, to reach more people. So think of it like this. You're not just helping me and my team. You're literally helping the world because the more people that get this valuable, important uh, legit information out into their minds, uh, they're better able to start feeling better and performing better in their life. So you're doing the world a service by supporting this podcast. So you guys, thank you so much. And as always, the conversation always continues with me on IG. You can DM me, Roxy Look or Black Belt Beauty comments as well. And I always look forward and love to hear from you. So without any more words, please enjoy this amazing conversation with my new friend, Cynthia Monteleone. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Beauty Counter. You guys, as a beauty expert and make it pro of over 20 years, I have legitimately sifted and sorted through endless amounts of beauty products from skincare to makeup, you name it, I've touched it. And, you know, high performance is always a priority to me. You know, when you're working on clients who are on the red carpet or accepting awards on live shows like the Oscars, things of that nature, there really is no room for error when it comes to performance. But as a total, you know, lover of health, you know, over the past decade, I became highly conscious about you know, the health aspect of products too, and really trying to steer away from skincare and makeup products that, you know, have chemicals and fragrances and ultimately health disruptors. So when I found Beauty Counter, you guys, I started playing with their skincare and their makeup products on me. I was so happy with the results. Not only, you know, did they totally deliver, but I legitimately felt better 
putting these products onto my skin. You know, what you put on your skin is totally affecting your health. And it's so important to really realize that. Not to mention the brand is really health conscious for the world, and I love that too, but that's just me. So check it out. You guys can now shop my personal favorites on blackbeltbeauty.com from Beauty Counter. You just got to go to the shop section, go to beauty, and you will find my favorites. And I'm continuously adding new products there as I discover more because the brand is just constantly you know, creating new amazing skincare products and makeup products. So as I learn about them, And as I try them and love them, I'm sharing them on the site. So check it out. Go to blackbeltbeauty.com. Go to the shop beauty section and shop the beauty counter page from there. Let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. And if you ever have questions about beauty, you know where to find me. DM me, Roxy Look or Black Belt Beauty. Lots of love, you guys. Cynthia, I'm already getting the Aina vibes and I appreciate them so much because I miss Hawaii. As you know, we've spoke that Hawaii is home for me too. And I haven't been there in way too long, you know, with the the whole pandemic and not being able to travel. And it's just, it's so nice to be with you and your energy and get the Hawaiian vibes too. So thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Yes. Aloha. And I'm glad you get to be with me in spirit <laughs> over the podcast and you must come back soon then. Yeah. I'm already looking into it. I, I am long overdue. So um, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun to meet you in person. I, you know, you and I had a great conversation the other day that was podcast worthy in of itself. And, you know, I just want to say, I'm so grateful to Mike Mutzel, our friend who, you know, who's, uh, you know, podcast that you did it, which is how I discovered you. And since discovering you, since listening to that incredible conversation, and then just going through your Instagram um, and listening to other podcasts, I just really, you know, it's, it's one part. I just, I love meeting strong, empowering women like you. And then it's also just, you know, there's a, I know from my own experience where I come from with health and the things that I I'm here to share and support and empower individuals, specific focus around women in my business. Um, it comes from a very genuine place, not just of love and wanting to support, but actual knowledge from things that I've encountered in my life, you know, and knowing like, for example, and we're going to talk about so much of this, but just, you know, you think you're doing the right things with your health. You think you're setting yourself in the right direction, mm-hmm. but you're not, you know, you're kind of moving yourself in the opposite direction of that. So when I saw this title with uh, your conversation with Mike, which is like, uh, do less cardio and eat more red meat with something along those lines. I was just yes. like, yes. Okay. So I think, um, I think a great place to start with you is just a little bit of your backstory because I I'll insert this really quick. One thing that I find so badass is that you started correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you got back into sprinting about four years ago and you turned That's correct. And then you turned world champ it, it, two years into the game. That's correct. Yes. As a mother of three in your forties, which is incredible. So if you Thank want to you. pick up from there and like how you got it, you know, back into it um, and why, and then we could just move into like, why sprinting? Why is that so important? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was, you know, just your average uh, mom of three. I was holding a little bit of baby weight from my last baby. I had just gotten done uh, breastfeeding him. And uh, I always encourage mothers, like never try to lose that weight too quickly. It's there for a reason, you know, to, to take care of your baby. So don't ever rush through that process. But I had, I just got done and my daughter asked me, she said, mom, I want to run track in college like you did. And I said, oh, wow. Okay. She's only 11. So I said, uh, well, I guess what we need to do is go to a track and see where we are to start with. So we went and we did a 400 meters uh, lap and the first 200 was like, oh yeah, I remember running. And then after that, oh man, the wall hit and we were crawling across the finish line. Not a very fast time. (laughs) It was the most painful 400 meters I probably ran in my whole life. Uh, And I thought, oh gosh, all right, well, you got to start somewhere. So we started training and really uh, we just kept showing up. We kept just being consistent with it. Um, But when I knew I wanted to compete, well, I I guess I I set a goal that year uh, to compete in the national championships for USA track and field for my age group. And um, I didn't really have many expectations, but I just trained for that to have a goal. Mm -hmm. And that summer I left with a fourth place yellow ribbon. And I said, huh, I don't think I want a ribbon anymore. I don't think I ever want a ribbon again. And I lost the medal by 0.1 seconds, one tenth of a second. And I realized, oh, okay. Like, I think I can, I think I need to do this. So then I, um, I had already been familiar with the work of Charles Polican. And so, uh, I, uh, experienced a really great gym in North Carolina where I learned some of his teachings through one of his students. And so I went straight to Charles and, um, you know, I started taking classes and I wanted to be, I said, I want to be a world champion. And so he, luckily he was very nice to me. He took me under his wing. He answered all of my dumb questions as well as my intelligent questions. (laughs) But, um, I'm really just forever grateful to him because without his wisdom, I would not be where I am today. And all of my clients who I share this knowledge with would not be where they are. So I really, really like to uh, always acknowledge that he was, you know, he was my mentor and he stuck with me through everything. Uh, well, then on that's the way. a big deal because Charles, for those who don't know, I mean, he's no longer with us, um, but he, he is, I, I don't like to ever say as, as a, like they're fully gone. Yes, I, I feel like, yeah, I agree. you know, legends are like, yeah, it's always here. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, renowned strength coach and just absolute badass in the space of health and fitness. So you really were mentored by one the of best the greatest, in the world. exactly. Yeah. Which yeah. is so and incredible. So, and that is part of his philosophy is, Hey, if you want to be the best, he would always say, if you want to be the best, learn from the best. And, uh, I went straight to him who was the best and, you know, learned all I could from him. Now I have, uh, his student, uh, Preston Green, who's the strength and conditioning coach of the Florida Gators. He's my current mentor. Um, and he also now is very patient with all my crazy questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, he's fully supportive and, uh, yeah. So he's kind of picked up on that with, especially the strength coaching side, but the metabolics, I, you know, I took it and ran with it and I now share, uh, my research with, um, some of Charles's top students. So I, one of the other things Charles taught was that we always have to con- constantly learn. So you never stop learning. And 
as a result, I set a goal to read uh, four books a week and at least 50 medical journal articles. Now, I read so much medical research that my doctor asked me for research. He says like, hey, when you come across this or that, like send it my way. He was asking me for research um, last year about um, especially about how pregnant women's immune systems, you know, they, when, when you're pregnant, your immune system decreases so that you don't attack the fetus. And then afterwards he feels like when they ramp back up, uh, a lot of women end up with autoimmune issues. And why was that? Why did he was like, why do you think that is like, can you find me some research? So I would send a bunch of research his way on the different mechanics of it. And, uh, it's really fascinating, but I think what it really comes down to is balance. And, I, um, I'm just a firm believer in having everything balanced, which is why I, I'll, I'll get back to that balance, but why sprinting, right? Why mm-hmm. sprinting is part of the question. So sprinting is a higher intensity training. And what I've found is that through the research and through the science is that when you train for a marathon, which so many women do, especially, and men, uh, especially as they turn 40 or somewhere around that age, they think, okay, I want to get in shape let me start training for a marathon. Like it's an easy goal. You can find a competition, but what they don't know is that there are also sprint competitions that you can find and train for that too, just like I did. Right. But, um, what I found is that when you train endurance training, your biomarkers for aging actually don't really get that much better, particularly your brain. So your brain produces BDNF, which is brain derived neurotropic factor. It's a protein that basically fertilizes your cells to grow, if you want to put it that way in a metaphor. And so your BDNF increases as you exercise. Why is that important? Because after age 25, our brains no longer are that plastic. We have to work for that plasticity. Plastic means you're able to learn new things. You're able to do new motor skills, all of it. Um, it also uh, is uh, works against Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases. So we need this BDNF. Yeah. And so, uh, yes, exercise does increase BDNF. But what I found was that if you're sprinting, it actually increases the BDNF more. And not only that, you're producing less oxidative stress, which is really, really hard to combat, combat especially the longer your running is like the more, if you're doing ultra marathons, forget it. You're never going to consume enough antioxidants to combat that oxidative stress. Uh, so I found that all these different areas of, um, you know, of biomarkers of aging are getting better through sprinting instead of distance running. And of course I love sprinting. I do uh, the longer sprint, the 400 meters, but all types of sprinting, uh, really, really great for your aging. I have to just, there's so many things to tease apart right there. First of all, let me just start on the 400 meter part, because, you know, when I was a kid, I did the 800 and the 1500. Um, That's what I ran track in and competed in. Uh, The 400 is gnarly. It's just, because I do, I do, uh, you know, we we talked about, I do sprints, I do, uh, you know, sand sprints, I do hill sprints, and then Mm -hmm. I do some uh, track sprint work with with one of my brothers, who's an incredible strength and conditioning coach. And the 400s just make me want to just throw up literally, you know? And so it's yes. brutal. So I'm like, props to you, girl, because that's just brutal, basically. And then the other things I want to pull on, you know, you're talking and you can see I have this kind of smile that's just like there the whole time because, you know, I, your knowledge when it comes to the science aspect of sport, nutrition, 
health, all of this stuff that we're talking about and further going to be, it's really impressive. And I, I really, I really have a lot of respect for that because, um, you know, look in my own experience, when I started implementing real science from high quality evidence-based research, that's when things really started to change for me. And so, you know, and there's a lot of not that, you know, out there, right? There's a lot of misinformation, like bad evidence, like epidemiology studies and, and all of that. So I, you know, this was when I, again, like going back to getting acquainted with you, um, you know, through the podcast and just your, and your incredible book. And I'm just like, oh God, I love this woman because <laughs> she knows her shit. And I know that it, again, it, it's coming from a place for you where you're like, it's almost like, listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I know what you want. Ultimately you want, everyone mm-hmm. wants to feel fit. They want to be strong. They want to live long, healthy lives. And I have tools and, you know, um, ways to support that, that I've discovered through my own experience. So let's exactly. Yeah. It's, an, it's, yeah. So- and I'm not telling anyone, anyone, this is the only way I'm telling you, this is one way and it's one way that has not been considered and one way that's getting a lot of great results. So why not consider in a, a different way? So, yeah. yeah. And do you think let's, let's pull on that for a second, because, um, you know, I, I, I know so many, let's just focus on women. You know, a lot of women, when they think I need to lose weight, the first thing they do, and I, I used to be guilty of this back in the day, I'm going to go do long durations of cardio. I'm going to, you know, and essentially like cut my calories. And there is something about calorie, you know, the the deficit and all that, but it's like this long duration of cardio. I have to work out for an hour to make it effective. And, you know, obviously sprints, sprints would just to put it to, um, you know, another way for people, it's a high intensity interval training, correct? Just to hear it from you. It is high intensity, but it's, I mean, I hate labels. Like somebody actually just sent me a message and they were like, oh, I see you took, you, you uh, transformed running into high intensity and I'm all, okay, sprinting has always been sprinting. You just run fast. It's not like, let's not put this H-I-I-I-T, you know, H-I-I-T label on it. Like, no, it's, I, yes, I it that. is higher intensity, but it's sprinting for God's sakes. It's, uh, you know, in our, in my book, I talk about the uh, early Hawaiian kukini runners running messages for the Kings. They were the warriors and the superheroes of their day. Mm-hmm. They were not thinking about, am I doing a hit workout? How many calories am I consuming? Like they yeah. were like, I need to eat protein and I, and I need to dominate. That's yeah. what I need to do. And I, that's the essence that I want everybody to feel. So I don't really like the labels. Yes, it is a higher intensity form of running, but it's not like I did not take running and make it into hit, a hit workout. Like, like I, and actually in the research and science, yes. it's two different things. Um, they will uh, label it SIIT. So sprint, uh, no, SIT, sprint interval training. So it is different in the research than high intensity, but yes similar in theory. And can you do it with rowing? Can you do it with biking? Yes, you can. Okay. I love, I have to, I'll go back to where I was about women in the direction, but I have to, because I wanted to talk about that with you. I wanted to ask. We have so much to talk about. I know. That's so exciting. (laughs) Well, that's why I presented it the way that I did in this question, because 
I didn't know about the SIT, but I'm like, it mm-hmm. is, it is, it can go into the hit, but it's different because, okay, look, we know a lot of people that also are like addicted to the hit and then that's all they're doing. And then quite frankly, a lot of times they're putting themselves in the cardiovascular zone and they're not in those, what I want to talk to you about, like the, um, how did you frame it? Like the three energy zones, which I think yes. is very unique with sprints, right? Well, yeah. And the three energy zones, actually, technically, if you stay uh, really short sprinting, like 30 meters or 40 meters or something like that, you're not going to get into the other two. Um, So I like to, uh, of course, because I'm biased with 400 meter training, I like to, that encompasses all three, like the 400 meters. uh, And what are those energy systems, right? ATP, creatine, phosphate, the lactic uh, or lactate uh, thresholds, and then endurance. And so while there is a small endurance component, it's very, very small. It's very important to get into that lactic zone in order to decrease body fat percentage. Why do you want to decrease body fat percentage? Two reasons. One, well, I mean, a lot of reasons, but uh, two main reasons. One, uh, your body uh, holds toxins in your fat cells. So by eliminating the storage of those toxins, you're eliminating the toxicity of your body. So you want to ultimately be as a woman between 12 and 15%, in my opinion, someone probably will argue with that, but I was taught that this by Charles, um, and men between six and 10%. I found women that get below 12. Um, sometimes you can be 10 and still be fine, but if you're getting below 10, uh, bodybuilders, things like that, you're, you're setting yourself up for thyroid issues and all kinds of other hormone imbalances. So, um, 12 seems to be totally fine, 12 to 15, especially eating the, you know, the correct way. Uh, and so the other reason, uh, so you've got your, your body fat percentage so for athletic performance. So it's blood work performance and athletic performance that you want in that zone. Uh, yeah. So this, the getting into the lactic zone does help decrease your body fat percentage. Okay. Um, we're going to come back to that because that's such an important piece to talk about. I mean, even for my own personal knowledge, I want to, I want to pick at your brain a little bit more, but just to okay. finish where I was with, um, you know, women tend to, when they want to lose weight, they go to, yes, that they're, long they're doing mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, we, we spoke about this in a conversation recently where it's like, you know, I'm 42, going to be 43 I, this year. I, I'm, I come from the era of, you know, where women weren't really lifting weights and it, it just wasn't, it, it's not what we see now or are starting to see more of now. And so I think it's just been imprinted in the minds that if you want to lose weight, you have to do long durations of exercise, specifically cardio in order to achieve that. And you are like, almost like the antithesis of that, you know, with sprints, which I know in my own life too, that I can say, um, you know, I love my 10K sand runs, but that's very unique. I'm in the deep sand and I monitor, I don't do it frequently. I, I dose it just so I'm not working against myself yes. in ways, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the, the larger part of my training is in alignment with what you, uh, you know, what you're about, what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So-, so the problem with the, that steady state cardio, and it's almost the same problem with ca- uh, calorie restriction as a means to lose weight. Okay. Both of those are effective methods in a way to a point, but then you're going to plateau and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to not know why you can't lose that last 10 pounds. I think both of those run a little bit parallel in my experience. And, um, and oftentimes, the steady state cardio will actually cause you to hold body fat. So it's working against you. I 
can't tell you how many women I meet that are like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm drinking smoothies every day and I'm working out for, I'm like running for an hour or I'm on the Stairmaster for an hour, whatever it is, whatever cardio piece of equipment. Um, the Actually, the electromagnetic frequencies will also cause you to hold body fat. That's been proven in science as well. They, uh, in America, they don't like to talk about it as much as they do in Europe, but uh, uh, you find a lot of EMF studies over in Europe. So there, it's they're just so frustrated. They're like, what am I doing wrong? You know, I'm eating plant-based, I'm eating vegan protein smoothies with my tons of fruit and spinach and all this other stuff. And, and I, you know, and there, I just feel so bad for them because I'm like, okay, well, actually you've gotten some wrong information probably from the mainstream media who've shared articles about how healthy that is for you. And that's why it's not working, you know? So, um, let's try a different approach Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's when we have success. Yeah. And how, um, I mean, everybody's body is different. Everybody's lifestyle is different. So when you, uh, you know, you're working with your clients and by the way, just to insert this, um, into this part of the conversation, you are a metabolic analysis practitioner. Yes. So you, mm-hmm. you want to explain that what, what that is really quick, and then we'll go back to where I was. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, so that means that I basically assess, um, people's metabolic. So I, I assess where they're holding their body fat, when I do it in person, where they're holding their body fat tells me, and the ratio between those places tells me things like how their hormones are balanced, how their liver's functioning, um, how they eliminate toxins, all kinds of things. And then I also do consultations over the phone where they kind of give me their symptoms. I ask them a series of questions and I can figure out a whole lot of things that might be going wrong. Um, and I can tell you a couple of fun stories about yeah. that if you want. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah. Okay. So do you want me to tell you an example right now? So yeah. it might help, it might help people understand. Uh, yeah. so for instance, um, I had a really nice lady who's in her forties or early forties and, um, she's trying to figure out, she, uh, was plant-based for a while and was not feeling well at all. She was very sick. And so then she switched to carnivore and felt a whole lot better, like really, really, uh, great on carnivore, but, um, wanted to add some things back in. And so she was like struggling to figure out what she, what foods she should add back in. So what I do is I basically assess what foods might be best for you based on your symptoms and what's going on for you. Because, um, I don't really believe in a one diet fits all, although I do believe in a high quality animal protein based diet for sure. Um, but I do believe that some little plants can act as medicines for some people, others are detrimental. So with her, she's telling me her symptoms, um, and all the different things she's had going on. And, um, at the end she said, uh, I said, are you, do you have any allergies? And she said, oh yes, I'm very allergic to nickel. And one of her symptoms was actually, she had anal itching when she was plant-based. I know where you're going. Yep. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so I said, well, there you go. That's why you did so well on carnivore. And that's why you can't do all these plant-based things because um, particularly things like peanut butter Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the plants have nickel, a lot Mm -hmm. of nickel in it. And so she, uh, she, I mean, we were like, oh my gosh, that's totally it. So she's on a low nickel protocol and that's working wonders for her. And it's funny because I had seen my dermatologist right after that. And I mentioned that case to her and she said, Oh yes, I see that all the time. And that is one of the, one of the symptoms, um, if it's a severe allergy and, um, yes, I put people on low nickel diets all the time. And I said, okay, if there's one, that's really great. And what, if there's one thing that you do tell people to do for their skin, what is it? 
Like, do you ever give them dietary advice or do they, you know, you don't go there. And she said, oh no, I absolutely take out gluten. If they have any kind of rash or um, dermatitis, I take out gluten. And I go, do they do it? And she said, "Uh, you know, people. (laughs) So, but I thought it was great that she was open as a medical doctor. She's open to making dietary suggestions because so many aren't. But anyway, that's one case where we figure things like that out. And then I've had other clients where I have figured out that it's the nickel allergy. Um, I've figured out uh, MTHFR genetic variations within one phone call. Um, I help people get pregnant when they've never been able to get pregnant before. Uh, So yeah, like just really awesome. It's so rewarding. I always say when my clients text me, they've never felt better in their life or they're standing on a podium with a medal uh, because I do work with Olympians as well. Mm -hmm. Like when that happens, it's better than any gold medal I could have won or any world championship I could have won better for me. That's the most rewarding thing for me. So that's why I do what I do. I love that. Well, it's so felt. That's the thing I was saying at the beginning. It's like, I just, I know where this is coming from. I can, it's an energy that I can feel. And it it just makes me, um, even more, um, excited to just share you and put your voice out and to really have you in my resource. So I can, my resources, so I can share you with my clients. Um, you know, the other thing I just want to point out when you're talking about like the anal itching, cause that's a thing uh, that also can happen when people have parasites and a lot Mm -hmm. of parasites can come from vegetables and fruits that aren't clean and people aren't aware. So this whole, well, the problem with that too, when you're plant-based, right. And you're eating a lot of those vegetables and you get the parasites that one of our first lines of defenses against parasites is high uh, stomach acid. So low pH, high stomach acid. So the lower your pH, the higher your acid. So you need to have a certain level of acidity in your stomach. And when you go plant-based that drops tons of scientific research on that. You can just look it up on PubMed and you'll find hundreds of articles, uh, lower pH on plant-based diets, soy protein, uh, pea protein. So it's lowering or it's lowering your acidity, higher pH, and it's not killing those parasites. So you're really setting yourself up for disaster. And one of those is H. pylori. I work a lot with people with uh, acid reflux and um, with ulcers and, you know, they always have H. pylori infections and it's just because they've, they refuse to eat meat or something like that. Like I, you know, I'm like, well, you're going to have to start eating some protein because when you eat the protein first, you're, it stimulates your HCL. HCL. So I always have my clients eat their first bite of food being protein um, every meal. Yeah. And if, if, and if anyone's like strictly plant-based and won't eat meat, I don't take them as a client. Yeah. Well, understandably so there's too much proof uh, that, you know, to optimize health, it needs to be, you know, a part of the diet. I, I told you, and, and, you know, so many of my listeners have heard, but it's important to integrate here that, you know, for about 15 years, I didn't eat meat. Um, and not because of any mm-hmm. moral or, you know, like I'm one with earth, but it wasn't for that reason. Um, it's just been so long that psychologically I was like, Oh, my body must not need it. Do my comprehensive blood labs, find out I'm anemic through my ferritin levels. And at that point I was already internally a little frustrated with myself because all the research that I had been taking in was just undeniable that specifically red meat was so nutrient dense. So mm-hmm. when I found out I was anemic, that was it. I was like, I don't care. I literally that night I went, I got steak and I, I mean, literally I have bison for breakfast every morning. Um, bison's phenomenal. I love bison. I love bison. And I can't wait to talk <laughs> about your breakfast specifically, but I do yeah. want to say too, just to validate also what you were saying. Um, um, my diet, 
for sure has definitely, it's, it's very protein centric now. Uh, but there was a period where even, you know, when I wasn't eating meat, but I was eating fish and eggs, it was so plant heavy something started to happen after like, I'd be eating my dinner and I'd start burping. And it was just, just like, mm. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had this, you know, this is uh before my doctor, also one of my very best friends, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who I'm sure is going to come up in conversation here. Um, mm. you know, before I knew her and fortunately I had, I have a very, very incredible friend who's a incredible clinical nutritionist. And I started to tell her this and she's like, Ooh, I think we got to scale it back on the vegetables. And mm-hmm. I wasn't taking digestive enzymes at the time. So I'm, I'm into, I'm, inserting this because what did happen, I was eating so much plant that I didn't have the digestive, um, uh, I didn't have enough acid to mm-hmm. be able to properly, yeah, to properly digest. Right. Exactly. And so, it ferme- so what it, then it ferments and then it starts to come back up and yeah, that's yeah. exactly what happens. So a lot of times people think that when you have acid reflux, it means you have too much acid and it's actually not the case. Your initial root problem is that you don't have enough acid from eating too much of the wrong foods. Um, so that's actually easy, easily fixable. Um, yeah. And that would be with, you know, introducing a more high quality animal protein based diet. Well, so, and I have yeah. to say this because you know that, you know, it, the, the, the greatest fad in water for so long now has been mm-hmm. the alkaline water. I need yeah. to, you got to touch that cause we're here. Oh, so. boy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. after listening, it's just, I produce yeah. so much acid in my body from running the 400 meters and training for it that, I mean, any kind of water is like a moot point, like any kind of water with this, like, it's just ridiculous for me to like, no, no. and that's not what we need. Yeah. I, so I think it's a, uh, you know, a trend. I mean, there is research like, oh, it can help you recover a little bit more, but that research is flawed. It's really mostly by the, by the companies selling the water. Um, I'm not even a fan of the, uh, the Kangen, is it the Kangen water, the fil- filtration, because yeah. uh, I mean, I had someone hardcore trying to sell me one and I asked them a bunch of questions they were not expecting from me. Like, <laughs> oh, does it filter heavy metals? So my, uh, you know, because that's the main thing that's wrong with our waters, the heavy metals. And they're like, uh, oh, I'll have to look into that. Oh no, it doesn't. No, I know it doesn't. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I already know that. <laughs> so Good for you yeah, with all the questions. I, well, yeah, because you always have to ask questions and do the research. And so, I mean, is it nice to have filtered water? Of course, we drink filtered water, but do I need to go and get that, you know, the expensive machine? No, just in my opinion again, uh, no. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we need that acidity and uh, we need that balance in our body to produce that. So uh, you mentioned the 400 meters being wanting to make you throw up. That's why, because you become so acidic with the lactic acid that your stomach is the most acidic part of you. And it's the first place it wants to get rid of the extra acid. So that's why. However, um, when I consume steak before I run, that's right. I eat ribeye or grass-fed Maui cattle companies here. I pack it with me in a little cooler bag and I'm out on the field with my little baggie of steak right before I run, about an hour before I run. I eat that and it's got things like carnitine, carnosine, um, and uh, I mean, taurine, all the really awesome things to give me energy and to buffer, carnosine buffers lactic acid. So I never, ever feel like I'm going to throw up after a 400. Like even my coach teases, teases me like in our workouts, like he grinds me into the ground until I can't stand anymore. And I still don't feel like throwing up. 
and he, you know, he's like joking. And I said, Hey, I can't help it. I'm just really good at, at buffering lactic acid. One, you've trained me for it. And two, you know, I eat things that help me naturally buffer it. I mean, that's so powerful because when you think about, look, when I was a kid, what my dad, I mean, again, this is the eighties before my races, this is true story, uh, chocolate milk, homemade peanut butter cookies. And then this part made me want to throw up. Literally. I hated it. He'd give me a Snickers bar before my race. Now I'll tell Mm -hmm. you what I, I, I won. I was, a you know, was it the diet? Was it me? I don't know. Maybe, but why I bring that up is because first of all, it's gross. Second of all, um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm there with you. Like we we might, there might be a different breed of people who thinks don't think that Snickers is gross, but like right, we right. totally would think we're like, oh, gross, chocolate milk and Snickers, gross. That makes me nauseous just thinking about it. But yeah, right? it was, it's so <laughs> horrible because and the whole concept is this carb loading. We had a pasta right. the night before, so and you that were carb we call that carb adapted. So you were carbohydrate adapted. So you did get that initial glucose or glycogen, you know, boost, and mm-hmm. you know that helped you have that initial spurt of energy. But I guess it's you know, what I found is it's not necessary and it's counterproductive to our longevity. Sorry. Sorry about this, Siren. No, <laughs> I'm outside. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, it's all, it's all good. Um, my microphone. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, yeah, no, it's so true. And, and, you know, I, now these days I'm definitely more fat adapted, probably flexible, but my diet is protein centric. And then that extra place of calories does come from its fats. It's, I don't really crave carbs. Um, I think it's a good time to talk about your diet. Let's talk about breakfast. Let's talk about being more fat adapted and having a flexible metabolism, how this is beneficial. Um, so yeah, let's start with your, your breakfast and why your breakfast. (laughs) Okay. So my breakfast is not anything new. It's an, or not, I should say it's not original. Uh, my idea it's, uh, came from Charles and it's the meat and nuts breakfast. Um, if you're carbohydrate tolerant, you can also add in berries for some antioxidants and polyphenols. And so, um, Um, My favorite breakfast would look something like um, steak from Maui Cattle Company here on the island, uh, born and grazed here, uh, processed here with um, a nut, say like almonds or pine nuts. Uh, There are a few different types. There are some that are on the no list for sure, like uh, pistachios are a no-go for me. They're actually in the same family as uh, poison ivy. I don't know if you didn't knew that, but um, so yeah, so they have the same chemical compounds there. that a lot of people tend to not be tolerant. Cashews are not on the list. They're most, they're very moldy. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, peanuts are not even nuts. So they're legumes. They're definitely not on the list. Uh, all kinds of problems with peanuts. And again, like a, maybe people who are allergic to peanuts are not are li- allergic to the mold or they're allergic to the nickel. Like they really can't take the nickel. So I have the meat and a, you know, a preferred nut. Walnuts also, I think are good for me, um, particularly. And then my berry would be something like raspberries or strawberries. Um, blueberries are my favorite, really. And yeah, or sometimes it's salmon with goat cheese and strawberries. So, uh, but always with that fat. And the fat is uh, has to be choline rich. So I talk in my book about eating to spark your neurotransmitters. And so that is what we're doing. We're sparking the acetylcholine and the dopamine. But we're not... Uh, like taking in so many carbohydrates, like from cereals and things like that, that most people do that where they get this serotonin hit and then they need that again a couple hours later. It's actually just a chemical 
uh, balance that you need to start with. And you're going to get the longer sustained energy um, that I found with the meat and nuts breakfast with the berries for some antioxidants. I so, love it. And I'm yeah, right there with it's you. It's very satisfying. It really is. And it, it doesn't, you know, it, it really does set your whole day up eating wise, energy wise, metabolically. I mean, Gabrielle mm-hmm. talks about, you know, uh, mo- muscle protein synthesis is obviously very important and you have to be between 30 to 50 grams of high quality, um, protein to hit that threshold. Right. And so, and, and, you know, just to, to add this, uh, it, it doesn't even matter what time, um, you know, from her, what she teaches, it, it's just the very important that you're hitting that threshold at your first mm-hmm. meal of the day to set you up and yes. to go back to what you were saying. It's like you, first of all, also just to, for people to understand dopamine, neuromodulator, neurotransmitter, you are, this is like motivation and drive where it's like, so exactly. Ser- right. And so serotonin mm-hmm. is the feel the good. Happy, feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. And that sounds lovely. Like, no, don't you want to start your day with this happy, feel good, um, yeah, but the caveat, I'll let you speak to it. Okay. Yes. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I always just assume everybody understands the neurotransmitters, <laughs> but the problem with that is that you can become saturated with those. And then you're going to need more and more to feel that good serotonin. They always, I'm sure everybody's heard the, uh, saying sugar is like a drug in your brain, same kind of thing. And it's this, that serotonin and sometimes the dopamine hit you get from that too. Mm-hmm. Um, eating that way preserves, eating the meat and nuts breakfast preserves your dopamine. We'll talk about that in a second. When you're having too much of the happy feeling foods, um, you're just going to need more and more, just like you would need more and more of a drug in order to get that same high. And this is actually the problem. And I address this in my book too, with uh, screen time. So every time you look at your social media and you see, oh, I got a like, or somebody said something good. Oh, it feels good. You're getting this dopamine hit or it's the opposite. You're getting this stress. So you're really messing with your neurotransmitters by looking at the screen too much. And so, um, I was on an airplane one time with this, this guy next to me and I was telling him how I don't look at my social media, uh, all week before I have a major competition. And he said how, you know, because of dopamine depletion, uh, it actually saturates and then you, you become depleted with dopamine. You don't have that drive when you need it. And I definitely need it in my race. So I like to conserve it. Uh, so he said, Oh, funny that you're saying that because I'm just coming back from a conference on dopamine depletion in high school students. I'm a high school principal. So this was a couple of years ago. They were already addressing the fact that teenagers with their phones and their screen time, they're depleting their dopamine and it's causing them to have depression and anxiety. So you really have to make sure, again, you have the balance, the balance with your neurotransmitters. And so this meat and nuts breakfast with this, you know, the high protein um, really provides that balance for you. Yeah. And it's so important when you think about, okay, you want to, you know, kick ass in your day and in all aspects, whatever that is, business, life, everything, sport, whatever you want that motivation and that drive, you want that energy to be moving you towards the goal. And I think that, you know, why I think it's so rad aside from just all the science is that, you know, most people aren't thinking about what they're eating. I call it intentional nutrition, but if you actually are being intentional about what you're eating and why, 
why you're mm-hmm. eating that thing. Like, what is it doing for you? Because it's essentially yeah. information, right? That's like, how is it fueling you? How is it's it fuel? It's, <laughs> yes. it's totally fuel. Yeah, I yeah. know. And I love that. That was one thing in, uh, you know, in your, in your book that just put the biggest smile on my face when I was reading, she's, she's eating dopamine for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm eating to, right, I'm eating to uh, make sure I have enough dopamine and the acetylcholine, yes, which uh, choline is a precursor to acetylcholine, so that's in the nuts, and then you can also get it in eggs, so people with on a carnivore-type diet, they can do, you know, their steak and eggs or something like that for breakfast. I find that just having eggs, um, from my experience, is not enough to meet the protein requirements, Mm -hmm. uh, especially that Gabrielle talks about, and it tends to be inflammatory. I know this is very common controversial with the, uh, the carnivore circles because they love their eggs, but I don't have my clients do eggs. I've had them do it every fourth day and not as a breakfast meal. And this is because, uh, one of the top laboratories in the country, um, said that eggs are in their top five of inflammatory foods to their, you know, to everyone they've tested. So what are the top five most inflammatory foods that they've tested? Cause they can test what reactions yeah. people have and eggs were in the top five. And I think this uh, is partly because eggs are in vaccinations and all kinds of different reasons. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is that um, I can, when I measure someone's cheek, I can usually tell if they eat too many eggs when I do my metabolic measurements. Really, it's really fascinating. And so like they get it, they trip out sometimes when I measure them because I go, oh, uh, you drink too many eggs or you, you, sorry, you eat too many eggs and you drank uh, beer, too many beers this weekend, like specifically beer. And they'll go, how do you know? And then, or I'll say like, oh, you, you don't drink beer. You drink vodka or some other liquor. And they'll, how do you know? And I'm like, I can tell from your measurements and experience. That's (laughs) incredible. Yeah. That is so So incredible. they'll laugh at like me predicting or, you know, me telling them. About yeah. Themselves. You're like a little witch. They're like, were you yeah. watching yeah. me at the bar? Or like, Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. That's amazing. Yeah. No. And I also, you know, I know a lot of people who are actually, um, you know, they do testing and stuff and eggs, they come up very sensitive. They can't have eggs. It's really, I, mm-hmm. I love eggs, but I know uh, just validating what you're saying from certain friends that I have that, that mm-hmm. can't unfortunately eat, eat eggs. So that makes yeah, sense. So, but that does have choline. So that's yeah. the reason why the nut, why why the nuts, they're a little bit less inflammatory for most people. Um, yeah. But again, like everybody's a little bit different, and you have to, right. you know, right. like the like the low nickel gal. Mm-hmm. She like we would definitely not put walnuts on her list because they, they tend to have a lot of nickel as well. So you know we have to make adjustments. You totally. know, but the high fat, you said high fat, so yes. yeah. Definitely high protein, high fat. So I would say um, I'm definitely not carbohydrate adapted. My carbohydrates are very, very low, um, mm-hmm. under 70 grams a day for sure. I don't go as low as keto, um, but uh, usually under 50, definitely under 70. And then I keep my fat uh, between 70 and about 100 grams. So again, not as high as keto, but I'm I keep my protein. I'm 150 pounds. Um, I consume at least 175 to 200 grams of protein per day of animal based protein. Yes. So, um, so I'm protein adapted. Yes. I low carb. So I am fat adapted in my races, Mm -hmm. I guess you'd say, but I like to say I'm steak adapted because that's what makes me feel the best is, is the red meat. That's yeah. amazing. And steak has a good, you know, it's like a ratio of like the, the protein and the fat. There's a like good fat in mm-hmm. there. Right. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. And you're eating throughout the day because I mean, you know, there's, uh, I mean, there's, we can go in a lot of directions here. There's the intermittent <laughs> fasting uh, mm-hmm. for, 
you know, longevity, there's, you know, the one meal a day, like how, how do you move through? And I, and I ask you these questions, not because your diet is the best diet for everybody, but but it's one way. Yes. And, but it's, it's also done with science and, you know, kind of backing it and your performance athlete, Mm -hmm. you know, who wins. So I am personally curious to what does that look like? (laughs) in your life? Well, I'm a performance athlete that wins and my clients win as well. My Olympians, they thrive, they overcome all kinds of, I had an Olympian who in her early, or she's in her mid twenties and she wasn't sure she could go to another Olympics because she had autoimmune issues already in her twenties. So like I, I handle it all, you know? Um, yes. So that's how I know it works. But, uh, yes. So, um, I guess again, it comes back to balance. So I don't, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be controversial, but the fasting is another thing that I find to be a trend that possibly is overdone. Mm -hmm. I am not saying I'm against fasting, but if you're morbidly obese, I believe that fasting works, will work for you because you need to get that calorie restriction down. And I do believe in the science as far as autophagy goes, uh, the generate regeneration of new cells from fasting, but you can also get that from exercise and you can also get that from sauna. There are a lot of different ways you can get that autophagy. And just because there are a few studies of a, you know, a short period of time of intermittent fasting, it doesn't mean that over the long course of time, you need to be fasting all the time. You need fuel to survive and live. So I don't, I'm, I really don't have my clients do fasting at all unless it's important for a medical condition. Um, and therefore I do believe in fueling all day. I don't believe in fueling with carbohydrates all day, but if you're fueling with high quality animal protein and healthy fats and some, uh, you know, specific vegetables or fruits that are beneficial to you individually, then that seems to be the best formula. Why? Well, there's uh, this really great research I'm doing. I'm doing an article right now working on, and I've been studying the HPA axis. It's the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So it's your brain to your pituitary to your adrenal. Why is that important? Because when you become overly stressed, you're going to produce cortisol from your adrenal gland through this process. Your brain perceives it, sends a message to your pituitary, sends a message to your um, adrenal gland to produce the cortisol. When you're producing too much cortisol, you are not producing enough of your uh, designated sex hormones. So you're, if you're a man, your testosterone is going to tank. You're, if you're a woman, you're going to have menstrual ir- irregularities, infertility, all kinds of stuff. So you want to have this HPA axis balanced. And what are the, some of the ways that the HPA axis gets out of balance? One, endurance training, overtraining and endurance training. So much research, I can't even believe it. So endurance athletes, if you're a man, the testosterone's tanking. If you're a woman, well, we all know that we've probably heard of our friend who overtrained or ran a marathon or did too much distance running in college and they're, you know, they didn't have a period anymore. Okay. This is because of the HPA axis. And so you need to keep that in balance. What they found is acute bouts of exercise like sprinting or maybe some sort of high intensity interval training, some sort of intense bout of exercise will actually give you that balance. You're fine. You produce a little blast of cortisol and then your body responds to that stress and it accommodates it and you become stronger. 
Okay. Just like lifting weights or something like that. But if you are constantly stressing it, stress, 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 the tiger is always chasing you, I say, right? So if the tiger is always chasing you, you're always running from the tiger, whether it be a mental stress or a physical stress like the endurance training, then your HPA axis is off and it's out of balance and you're producing too much cortisol all the time. This is chronic cortisol production. This is not good. Okay. (laughs) This is where everything, your thyroid, everything starts going out of whack. Okay. I'm going to tell you that there is some research that fasting too much does the same thing. So you're, because you're, it's an, it's an energy, it's an energy restrict in the science. They call it energy restriction. (laughs) So you're not going to necessarily see the term fasting, in all the research, but right. if you say, if you see the the term, uh, you know, these, these, uh, whatever, if it's usually it's the mouse models right now, but the energy, there is some human, uh, fasting studies on it, on the HPA axis as well, but they'll say that, you know, the mice were, um, calorie and energy restricted. So yeah, it's you like, know, it's so, fascinating to, to so hear too that. Too much I- is not good. Just because well, fasting works like a little bit over here for autophagy. Okay. Yeah. Inter- people, I think people just forget the intermittent part. <laughs> you you know, know what? You're right. Because I mean, listen, I think it all goes back to the magic pill that every, you know, most people are, mm-hmm. are you know, it's like, how do I get there fast? How do I, how do I take the least um, painful route, you know, to get to this goal and this goal in this case would be like to lose weight, to be ripped and, you know, all of that stuff. And, you know, I think it's important. Uh, you know, everything that you just shared and specifically, yeah, if you're going to fast, you know, the dosing does matter because ultimately, like you said, it's a, it's a stressor on the body. And also another thing, um, and this really was a, a mindset, you know, Gabrielle listening to her and learning from her, this really made a difference for me. You know, I used to be able to, um, not eat until two o'clock and, you know, I wasn't doing it every day, but it was, it doesn't happen anymore. Let me put it that way. And, and not just because I understand about the stressor of the body. Like I always want my thyroid to be happy. That's just something, especially mm-hmm. in my forties, I'm like, you rule whatever, you know, training diet, like I need you to be, you know, but also yeah. <laughs> because of this, um, wanting to make sure that I'm eating enough protein and getting that muscle protein synthesis throughout my day. So if you start like back you know, when I'm eating at two o'clock and I'm not a late eater. So my feeding window was like, you know, five till five o'clock. I'm not able to get that adequate enough optimal yes. amount of protein. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, forget this. And there, there are some days, you know, where maybe my food starts at 10 or whatever, but it's, I, I love what you just, the science of what you broke down, because again, I think one of the most empowering things that an individual can do when it comes to their health is to understand the science, like do whatever you want. You want to be vegan. You want to be, you want to go be an ultra runner. You want to be, there's no judgment, but if your goal ultimately is to live a robust, healthy, long life, then just know the science and then know how to tinker away at your, whatever it is that, you know, you're interested in doing right. So that you can get to that goal. Yes, exactly. And um, I was on Zach Bitter's podcast a few months ago and he's awesome. I love Zach Bitter, but he's an endurance athlete. He runs ultra marathons and he absolutely do the science already. And I joked with him, um, oh, you know, know, sprinting produces more BDNF than distance running. So sprinters are smarter. That's what it means. Actually, it was like a 20% more learning after sprinting than after distance running. And he he said uh, something to the effect like, 
Yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, he laughed at that, but then he said, um, yeah, I won't be doing this forever. So he knows that he's, there's a limit on well, it, that, it at some point for him. And, you know, he is enjoying doing it, but he understands that for biological aging, not chronological aging, but biological aging to feel younger than your actual chronological age and to have healthy biomarkers, which means good blood work, no chronic disease, feeling like you're strong and you're capable. You can get up in the morning. You have plenty of energy throughout the day to do all the things you need to do. Um, To feel that way for as long as possible means you have to pay attention to what is helping these biomarkers and not get tunnel vision. Like I think, you know, I love listening to Rhonda Patrick talk about science, but I think she's a little tunnel visioned and, you know, broccoli sprouts uh, stopping Alzheimer's and she's not looking at the bigger picture. I think she just did an article about BDNF, but nothing that I've seen about, you know, sprinting for increased BDNF. So like, it's important not to get the tunnel vision and be always open to learning. And with the science, yes, I totally agree with you. Follow the science, but know that the science always changes. And that's why you have to keep reading the science. I'll give you an example of that. H. pylori, which we mentioned earlier, which is a stomach pathogen that causes ulcers and stomach cancer. Okay. So H. pylori, they thought of just a few years ago, like about five years ago, well, uh, you know, it's, it's some of its fuel sources are uh, glucose and glutamine. So what if we starve it of glutamine and then it won't have any... Uh, capacity to grow. So they starved the H. pylori of glutamine in the research. And what they found was it got worse. So why did it get worse? Well, because glutamine heals the mucosal lining of your stomach and the H. pylori live in the tears and the rips of your stomach in these little crevices. And so by healing the mucosal lining, that mucosal barrier protects against the H. pylori and they're not able to live if you have enough glutamine what is the best way to get glutamine? High quality animal protein. So here you are with the plant-based diet, you're eating the plant-based, you're getting H. pylori from things like unwashed lettuce or, you know, um, produce from third world countries or from countries like maybe, I don't know, Mexico or somewhere where they're not washing maybe as well as other countries. You're getting this, this produce, you're eating tons of plants, you get H. pylori, and then you can't get rid of it because you're not eating the animal protein to protect the mucosal lining of your stomach. So it's like you can't, oh, then they realize, okay, well, actually, if we supplement glutamine, then the H. pylori helps to become eradicated. So that's why I'm actually a huge fan of um, ATP Labs, who sponsors me. They have a um, product called Glutamed, which Charles invented, apparently. Like he's, he would go to ATP and he'd say, these are the supplements I want you to make for me and my athletes. <laughs> so, um, but glutamide was one of them. It's glutamine and glycine, which helps so many things. But um, having that mucosal barrier is part of your immune system. So yeah. again, like they thought, okay, well, the science, if you only read those articles, you'd say, well, the science says, uh, get rid of H. pylori by starving it of glutamine. But a couple of years later, they realized, oh, that's not working. So you got to always keep up with the science because it's always changing. And right. that's why I get a little frustrated with uh, people throwing science around, especially this year, because knowing with you. Keep, when you keep reading, you're like, oh, this, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, science, <laughs> so I, try science. To, I try to keep my mouth shut about it. I, I'm only, I only give my opinion when asked. I'll just no, put it that way. Well, and it's hard, <laughs> I know, because I see things yeah. too. And it's like, you're, what are you doing right now? You're, you're, you're giving information that is sending people in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Science. Yes. 
I was going to say like game changers, for instance, are like, oh, well, um, you know, eating meat causes this uh, homocysteine reaction and blah, blah, blah. But what they don't tell you is that B12 and folate takes that out of your blood long term. And so if you're B12 folate deficient, that's when you have heart problems. And how do you become, what is the number one way to become B12 folate deficient is to eat a vegan diet. So they're actually counter, like countering exactly what they're trying to make a point of. So just because when you eat meat, you have this initial jump, then you have the B12 and folate already in the meat to take it out of your bloodstream so that you don't have it chronically. Like it's just totally backwards. And so I, I watched, oh my God, we won't even get at that. But I, I read like the little pieces of science that, that people cherry pick for their own purpose. Mm-hmm. And I just shake my head and I think, okay, well, I can only help who asks me for help. Totally. <laughs> I can and only share when asked my opinion. I'm not going to just go there and, and start and shouting to the world. So. Well, and almost as you should to, to be mindful of your own energy, because it's like a circular conversation that can get nowhere, except there's so much dogma out there. And, you know, I mean, listen, it's, we are living in a time where people are at an all time high when it comes to sensitivities. Like I come from the time where it's like, if you talk shit, you talk it to the face, you know, it ain't that time anymore. You know what I mean? That's just one example. Now, like (laughs) my girl, Gabrielle said like food offends people and it's horrible because we, you know, like for example, what we're having conversation right now is about like optimizing health and Mm -hmm. it's not emotional. This is science. You know, and yes, and like you said, science is a work in progress as well. So it's, you know, keep reading the science, but also make sure that it's not your dogma, your, you know, narrow kind of lens that's, you know, driving you to just keep um, confirming what you want to know and believe, Mm -hmm. you know, like where are you coming from when you're, when you're investigating? I think that's so so important. And so why do I believe what I believe? It's because when someone's crying in my driveway telling me that they've, uh, you know, never felt better in their life and that they threw up on their period for eight years every month. And now they don't anymore. That's why I do it. So when I have hundreds of cases that are okay, plant-based to eating more high animal protein, and then everything gets better then I believe that research because I, I am seeing it firsthand. So I am not just doing it because I love Ooh, I love to eat red meat. Like there's right. there's a reason behind it. And it's a, and it's a passion of mine to help people thrive. And when I see it over and over, that's why I want to share the message. I feel you girl. It's, it's so apparent. I want to ask you, um, cause so I personal, this is just, um, ATP. When I heard you talk about ATP, I look it up and I'm totally a geek. I'm like, let me look at the ingredients. Not that I was just learning about you, but I'm like, Oh my God, this looks so good. I have always been, my protein powders have always been, um, plant plant-based, you know, pea and, and, and brown rice, but I, I don't do any dairy. Um, and obviously it's not, you know, whey protein, especially isolate isn't necessarily, it's like so minimal in terms of the dairy response that you can get. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did order I just got it yesterday, my ATP way isolate because of you. And I'm excited to try it. And I think it could be great to just, cause we're right here to talk yeah, about the differences. Can, yeah. Yeah, sure. And um, so again, I actually, I was just getting ready to do a video. I started to do it yesterday about people keep asking me, what is the protein powder you mentioned in your book? Um, cause I talk about putting my mom on a protein powder. She's so cute. She's so funny. I'll just, I, can I go just off on a tangent for a second? Oh, when I did please. Her, she, okay. So she, yeah 
is not the healthiest eater, but I love her. She's so adorable and she's 80. And so she's like, um, her, when I measured her last year, her sugar measurement was off the chart, like way, way, way off the chart. And I was like, mom, um, your sugar measurements off the chart. Like, what are you eating? She's like, I told you I don't eat very much. And this was the beginning of her journey to feeling better, of course. And so then she's like, um, uh, and I said, no, no, something's triggering it. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I have a little bit of peanut butter and jelly for lunch, but not that's, that's the only sugar I eat, you know? And I'm like, okay, what something else is doing this is really high number. And she goes, well, I do keep this bag of gummy worms in my pocket and I eat them all day. And I was like, mom, no. Oh my goodness. I know she's so cute. And so I was like, well, okay, let's work on that. Let's work on that. Cause you know, when people are older, they, sometimes they don't want to change their ways. They have their little happy treats. Totally. So, um, so we worked on what happened was I put her on the whey protein and then she didn't have those cravings. It's mm. so simple. It's like as simple as that. She yeah. didn't crave the sugar because she had uh, she was satisfied, right? Gabrielle mm-hmm. talks about the protein leverage hypothesis that you're going to keep eating until you get satisfied with enough protein. Um, that's a really fun topic to research. Totally. But yeah, so um, I put her on ATP Labs uh, grass-fed whey protein. Mm-hmm. It's the most delicious tasting protein that's mm-hmm. out there in my opinion. Um, the only problem is that sometimes people get bloated from whey and okay. that is because they already have a bacteria imbalance. And so if you find like you're getting bloated or gassy from whey, you can do two options. One, you can take a probiotic after you have your protein shake and then it's feeding the better bacteria. And so you're not feeding the pathogenic bacteria. You're having, you're giving it the good bacteria to feed. So that has worked for people. And then, uh, cause it's whey is a superior product. It's very good at building muscle tissue recovery. It's very good at, um, you know, at feeding bacteria, right? You're good bacteria. So, but if you have an imbalance, it'll feed the bad bacteria. The other thing is to opt for the Supreme beef protein. Um, there are uh, different beef proteins out there. This one, I think, is the cleanest with the best ingredients. Tastes like chocolate marshmallows to me. Okay. Uh, so you can also choose that and that will... Uh, so anyone who has a really, really bad gut imbalance of my clients, I put them on the beef protein first with okay. the glutamide. They have okay. two, two two scoops of the glutamide with it. Um, yeah, but I do oh, two great. scoops of the whey protein with two scoops of glutamide. Um, and to get my protein requirements, sometimes I'm running around, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll have two protein shakes a day plus my regular meals. Um, it's my job to feed myself and fuel myself, especially for longevity, but also for athletic performance. And so I really, I take it, uh, I take it seriously to prepare my food. Um, oh, the other, so the other thing is that supplements are just that they're supplements yeah. to whole food. So you always really want to just make sure you're concentrating on consuming as much whole food as you possibly can. Yeah. Um, but you're really, it's really hard to get all of your nutrients from, you know, from your food. Um, Charles used to say like an apple from, uh, 1972 has, uh, uh, like 70% of the nutrients as an apple from today. It's a ridiculous amount of disparity uh, because of our soil being, Mm -hmm. being depleted by monocropping and all kinds of reasons, Um, you know, the heavy metals, um, coming from pollutants in our soil, all of it. So, uh, if you have too many heavy metals, you're depleted of zinc, 
et cetera. So I found that ATP has like just really clean ingredients. Um, they don't use artificial colors or flavors yeah. and I can trust them. They're informed sport approved. So as an athlete, I get drug tested and I pass every time mm-hmm. because they're not contaminated. They take it very seriously. So I'm just, that's why I'm a big fan of that company. And I was just, I was really lucky that they um, also believed in me and sponsored me. So well, I feel like it's a smart yeah. company because you're a great representative, you know, just from, I mean, in all aspects. And I'm, I'm super excited to, um, to get dialed in and try this way. And I'm so appreciative that you just broke that down if you feel bloated. And mm-hmm. I mean, because like you said too, it, you know, we all have busy lives. It's hard. And if we are trying to get to that optimal level of protein intake in a day. So for me, it's like between, you know, like 135 grams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to be mindful about, how you're going to do that. And it's not necessarily easy to do it with busy lives, um, mm-hmm. just in, in meals. So having a good protein powder, um, to just insert in those times when you're not capable of, of creating a, you know, the bison and the yeah. nuts or whatever, I think it's yeah. really important. So, and I think it's important to note, note the difference because, you know, again, this might sound like such an attack on plant, but I swear it's not. Um, <laughs> I know it's just as hard. And it's like funny that I have to preface that, but that's the time that we live in. But it's just that there's such an over promotion of, and it's vegan, like uh, like it's been yes. blessed, like it's blessed. Yes. It like from Zeus or whatever. Well, you know, again, this is just marketing. Let's. I don't. I don't. We don't put emotion into it. Like I don't. um, Exactly. I don't hate vegans. I don't hate vegetarians. Nothing like that. I don't have anything against it. If you tell me you eat, you're a vegan, you know, because of X Y Z reasons, I will absolutely respect that. If you ask me my opinion about it as a health issue, then I will give you my opinion. Right. If that's your kuleana, as we say in Hawaii, right? You know that that's your kuleana, then go ahead. But you know, that's your thing. This is not to be bashing, you know, those who want to be plant-based, but like you said, it is a trend. It's a trend in marketing and uh, it's a trend that needs to go away because it's harming people's health. Just like that little heart healthy stamp on all the cereals and the vegetable oil or not vegetable, but yeah, like the processed uh, vegetable oils that are shown now to be you know, what all the margarine, let's take margarine, for example, Right. margarine right. was a trend that actually they figured out after not too many years. They've known since 19, the 1950s that trans fats are bad for us. The 1950s That's was the first science. And they just now pulled it off the shelves. Like, you know, in the past couple of yeah, years. Yeah. That's horrible. 1950s. Okay. And, Gina, so, and you know what? I just want to insert this because it just, I think, and I, I'm curious if this resonates, I feel like it does, but what's, what, what's frustrating is I believe that so many individuals, they want to do the thing, the right things. They Mm -hmm. want to, they want to send themselves in the healthiest direction. So when they're getting this over glamorized marketing, do the cleanse, it's vegan. It's all the, it's like, stop, stop bullshitting people, you know, empower them with real science. I know that's like far-fetched, but like, and then let them decide, like, if you want to eat the thing or whatever, like, great. But I think where it really touches my heart is that, and I know, because I know a lot of women that I've supported who make pivots and and adjustments, and then they feel so much better and they're, they're kicking ass in their life. It's like, they weren't, they, it's not like they were trying to do the, the things that would send them in the opposite direction. They don't know. 
And I, I get frustrated accurate. because yeah. I feel like they're being lied to. And that's why exactly. They are. But who's, who do you think is lying to them? Who's lying to them? I mean, the people who want to make the money. Right. The people yeah. who want to make the money. And this yes. is not a conspiracy theory. This is just no. how it is. I have a, an athlete who went to a very prestigious school. They, I won't even say boy or girl. They have the school record in the athletic event that they do. Mm-hmm. And at a very, very like top uh, sports university, division one, you know, one of the t- best, best sports, uh, best colleges in the nation. Mm-hmm. Okay. They said, um, I knew something was wrong when our head nutritionist for sports told us to eat Pop-Tarts. And I said, Pop-Tarts? What? Yeah, it turned out that she was on the board for Kellogg's and said that all the athletes need to eat Pop-Tarts because we need sugar. And okay, you know, like that is where it's coming from. Yeah. And then they said, then that's when I knew that something was wrong. And what that's doing is a disservice because if you have like an APOE genetic variation where you're predispositioned to type three diabetes, Alzheimer's, and you're, you're, um, you know, shoving sugar down somebody with like, you know, that genetic variations throat, like, or anyone else, frankly, doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be that Right. anyone you're teaching them to hold that, you know, they might be able to process it in their twenties, but if they keep eating that way, because you've taught them that they need sugar, they're mm-hmm. going to end up diabetic eventually. Like that is yeah. just a disservice to our youth and our nation. Like how could 100%. that person live with themselves? Yeah, no, it's horrible. And I think that's why it's so important to have these conversations too, where it's like, listen, you know, uh, it's one of the things I love about having a podcast because I'm, I'm, you know, you're not in it. I'm not in it for anything other than just to, Hey, listen, I, I know you want to be healthy and strong and you want to kick out. I I'm here to support. You're here to support the individual mm-hmm. to live a robust kick-ass life. So it's just empowering you with information that will legitimately support you to move in that direction. Ultimately it's up to you, whatever you want to grab on, whatever resonates, but it's like, if you, you should at least be in awareness of this. And I guess, yeah. So, yeah. And I, I, that's why I like to bring to the table that there is another way. It doesn't, you don't, you don't have to be a carbohydrate adapted athlete. You can still have the power, the strength. Um, and you also will not end up, you know, hopefully not end up with Alzheimer's, but like, I'm also trying to have them not have Alzheimer's at the same time. So either that's my, I want all of those things for my clients, not just the athletic performance, not just that, uh, glycogen boost. You can have it all. Like you can be, you know, robust for your whole life and, you know, just really strong and find your warrior superhero self. That's my passion is find your own warrior superhero self. And, um, we can all do that. Like it might, my superhero self might not be the same as somebody else's, Mm -hmm. but they can, we can all become better and our best versions of ourselves and our strongest versions of ourselves through the choices of what we eat and, um, and our environment. So our environment, you know, helps too. If you're, if you have an environment where you're not getting good sleep, you know, that, that needs to be addressed as well. Uh, whether it's your physical environment or things that you're consuming that you're not able to have enough sleep, that sort of thing. But like, that is the number one thing I would say everyone needs to uh, pay attention to. 
There's, well, I love that about yeah. you, Cynthia, because you are, you know, I, my whole brand is holistic high performance. Mm-hmm. And it's because to me, to really perform at the highest level in life, in all areas, you need to be paying attention to all areas. Right. And I yes. feel like you are, that is exactly what you focus on. Like you just said, and, um, we can let's, let's, I want to go into sleep, but one thing that I do want to pull on because we, it just works really well with where we talked about your, you love to talk about this inner superhero that we all have within us. And I firmly believe that the larger majority do have this warrior spirit, this superhero as well. One aspect in my kind of viewpoint of a superhero of a warrior is self-confidence. And I want to quote uh, something that I saw in your Instagram that I was like, she is so badass because <laughs> there's a piece Aww. that I, I love this. And I put, I, I'll tell you afterwards, but, um, yeah, let me just read this first. So it says, uh, it says you say a positive self image is a pattern of behaviors and champions strive to impress yourself because your opinion is the only one that matters. So I often share this um, (laughs) through all my channels. Like it's like a little tagline, like impress yourself. Mm -hmm. I loved reading that. And for so many reasons, I mean, the you know, positive self-image, so important, your self-talk, uh, the whole champion behavior aspect of it. And then the fact that you, you say like, impress yourself, you know, like you matter to you. And if yes. you don't realize that you need to, and where this is, you know, why I wanted to go here right now is because I, w- I want to talk about, let's go back to, I mean, I feel like you naturally, you, 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 perhaps your whole life had this strong sense of self and motivation, but let's talk specifically about when you started sprinting again, when you got really dialed into your diet again, like what happened to your self-confidence? What, what were some of the shifts that took place, um, with this internal strength and confidence from these lifestyle changes and starting to, yeah, compete and all that? So when I started back sprinting again, um, after 20 years of not sprinting, like my body didn't feel that strong. I was just your average mom. Like I said, I was probably about little, maybe 15, 20 pounds over my normal weight, um, from carrying my children and, um, little by little by showing up and just being dedicated. Okay. It's the struggle that makes you stronger. You need those little struggles. Again, with the HPA axis, we don't need too many struggles. That puts us in a different realm. But we need that little struggle of a hard workout and then we recover. A hard workout and then we recover. And we just keep showing up. And if you just keep showing up and you even just to do your best, okay, you show up and you do the best job you possibly can, you're going to have that confidence building. You're going to say, okay, like, oh yeah, I just accomplished that. Like, I'm so proud of myself. I just did that. And I see that with my clients. I see that with the ladies. I have a several ladies who are between 40 and 50 years old that train with me right now. They actually come and uh, lift weights with me sometimes. And I see that every time we're like, wow, I didn't think I could do that lift, or I didn't think I would be able to do all those reps. And they, they do, they do it and it builds their confidence. So there is something about confidence building with the struggle. You need to have the struggle. And if you watch any superhero movie, they don't just have it easy the whole movie. There's always a challenge. There's always a struggle. And they find it within themselves. And then they end up believing in their own strength to get over that challenge. And you, like, we can all do it no matter what our situation is. We can all 
at our own capacity, find that little bit of struggle to overcome and build our confidence. And as far as positive self-image goes, um, I think that I firmly believe in society that especially as women, we are taught uh, to nurture everyone else and not take care of ourselves first. And I am like, you know, on the airplane, they say, put the mask on yourself first. And then on the, you know, the child next to you second, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. If you don't take care of your health you and you're sick, you're not going to be able to take care of your children or your aging parents or whatever it may be. Like your, your friends, your family, you need to take care of yourself first. And I think that, um, our society is teaching the wrong thing. They're teaching, take care of everyone else first and then take care of yourself. But by feeding yourself the proper foods and getting the right type of exercise, taking care of yourself actually is selfless. It's, you're there to take care of others. And then you can choose to give back to your community, whichever way you want. That's a really big part of what my belief is, is giving back. I wrote that post. Actually, it's so funny you brought that post up. I wrote it because someone said, uh, I seemed impressed with myself or something like that. And I was like, you know oh, what? You're like, I'm I am fucking impressed with myself yeah. because, <laughs> and yeah. because I believe in a positive self image and everyone else should too. You should be impressed with yourself. You, well, you why know aren't that you impressed with yourself? What, what are you doing that you're not impressed with yourself? And it wasn't that I was, I'm not full of myself. I don't think I'm like, better than everyone else ever. And I have the only way to do things. That's not what this is about. This is about, I believe in myself and I believe in, um, I know what I give. I know what I give to my community. I know what I give to my kids. I know what I give to the kids I coach. And that gives me confidence because I know who I am. So that's the part I don't post about any of that. Like, you know, so I am impressed with myself because I do a good job taking care of myself. Therefore, I'm able to take care of my family. I'm able to take care of the kids I coach. I'm able to give back to my community. Oh, so man. that's, that's where love... that comes from. Girl. That's why I kind of giggled when you read that because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember why I wrote that. Well, it's so good. And people that know me and are, are, are like, oh, these two are designed to be girls because I, first of all, I literally write in that, like, go on, impress yourself. Like, fuck yeah, impress yourself. What are you doing? If you're not moving through your day, you know, in a manner where, you know, you can be proud of yourself. Yes. And you, and be who you are. Be who you are and show up. Uh, you know, for me, it's always show up and give it your hundred integrity. It's a top core value in everything. Ladies, I am so excited to let you know that Queendom, Black Belt Beauty's exclusive membership community for women only has officially opened her doors and is welcoming new members. Queendom is an exclusive community of high-minded, empowering, supportive, badass women who are all on a mission to live from their fullest potential in life. This empowered space is monitored by me personally to ensure that it is non-toxic, non-competing, and an inspiring, energetic environment. What this membership includes is one monthly live Zoom call with me, where I take you on a deep dive and a specific focus for the month. So think topics like self-love, self-confidence, and vitality. These topics are vital to living from your fullest potential in life. So these talks are going to support you to get more clarity on them and help you to develop and strengthen your relationship with them in your life. 
You get one monthly challenge that is specific to the focus for the month for stronger development and progress in that area. You get a monthly workbook with a summary of that topic and journal prompts around the subject. You get a variety of intentional meditations that I create to help you get rooted in specific areas of yourself and your life. You get exclusive Blackboat Beauty Radio podcast guest content for Queendom members only. And ladies, I love to have fun, so you can expect to have a lot of it in Queendom. There will be several pop-up virtual events, including more live coaching sessions with me, beauty sessions, training sessions, cooking hangs, master classes and Q&As, all with high-level guest experts. You also get my VIP High Performance Vault. So think my top tools that I rely on to feel my best, to look my best, and to perform my best in life. Above all, you get community and accountability support from the incredible members of Queendom who are on aligned missions to live from their fullest potential in life. You know, one of my favorite quotes that sums up my aim with Queendom is this one by Reid Hoffman. No matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you will always lose out to a team. You guys, I want you all to be winning in your life from within and out. And I'm a firm believer that teamwork truly does make the dream work. So I've designed Queendom to be exactly that, a team of women who are supporting the best in each other to actualize their dreams into life. So the cost for all of this is just $40 a month. And that price is exclusive to this period of enrollment only. For those who purchase a full year of membership upfront, you get one month of membership for free. Investing in this membership is investing in yourself. So if you're ready to join Queendom, go to blackbeltbeauty.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Ladies, let's seek the fight together in 2021 as a badass team of empowered queens. Membership has its privileges. I can't wait to see you and support you in the queendom. Let me attack a couple things. Number one, whoever wrote that to you is definitely coming from their own insecurity. We know that. Like, that's... (laughs) You're yeah, I said, I said, it's more about them than it's about me. <laughs> well, it's a truth and it's not, you know, some like blanket statement. It is actually the truth, you know, as, as an empowerment coach, as a mindset, like I understand psychologically, like what people are triggered and you're, you're, um, very, uh, I don't even want to say it's, it's not a matter of being humble or not. You're just very rooted in your authentic self. That is a trigger to somebody who doesn't even know how to grasp that or is having challenges or so then, you know, comments like that can come up. But, you know, I I also want to talk about, you know, my mom, when I was a teenager, uh, she literally said, you have to put the mask on you first, always take care of yourself. So that was ingrained in me from a very young age. Um, and I'm so grateful to my mom. She's a legend, you know, to, 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 to share this. Yeah. With her kids and, you know, mother of five, Five cesarean, like she's a hardcore, she's hardcore. Um, and I think it's so important to also just expand and really validate what you said. Uh, the world does not need more depressed people, sick people, unhappy people. No, we don't. We need people who are more robust, more vivacious, uh, more rooted, more authentic, more loving and compassionate. This is going to come when you are 
living a truly healthy and not healthy just because you're, you know, size two or whatever that is. No, it's like there's, you're taking care of yourself from mindset to heart to body. It's all one thing. Essentially, this is lifestyle, right? Which is why I wrote the book that way. You saw there is not just one part. There's three no. parts. No, I know. I love your book and the whole Hawaiian, you know, storytelling in it. Obviously, that's really special for me. And, um, you know, I've already shared your book in, in my Queendom community. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a beautiful, fast read um, that really gives a lot of powerful information quickly, you know, so people who want like, I want to. I want and a training book. guide. For when you want to get started by the best strength coaches in the country (laughs) and the best athletes in the country. Well, because, you know, and that's, I want to ask about that, um, um, in a, in a second, but you know, cause I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people after this conversation, like, okay, I want to start sprinting. How do I start sprinting? So I do (laughs) want to ask your opinion on that, but I, I want to just, you know, to, to put a bow on that whole, um, selfless piece. I think it's, to be a real contributor in life, which is certainly who you are, you need to be taking care of self so that you can fully show up, number one, for yourself, because you actually really matter. And then everybody else, everything else from your work to your family, to the stranger on the street or whoever, you know, to our society. So um, yeah, I, I'm like high-fiving you and also commending you for being such a powerful contributor. And I think it's a great, you know, when we think about like internal environment and really, so, you know, we talk a lot about diet, nutrition. Um, We've certainly talked about sprinting. Well, that's part of it too. The diet and nutrition, as far as your, your confidence and your attitude, like um, if you don't take care of like your myelin sheets on your nerves by giving it B12 and folate, you're going to be frazzled and you're going to be on edge and you're going to not be nice to that person next to you or that you run across the stranger you run across. And that's not going to serve them. It's going to, wow. and then they're going to, they're going to be irritated because some stranger was irritated at them. And you see how that cycle can the continue. So the nutrition is part of all of it and why, you know, so when I made those changes with the exercise, also the changes with the nutrition helped me be able to feel very even and calm and steady energy, positive energy all the time, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I call my food, good mood food. I'm like, it's Mm -hmm. It's all related. It really is. It's like, it, it, it's so, you know, the whole concept of you are what you eat. I mean, I, I kind of, I feel like that there's a lot of truth in that statement, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, also, definitely. I'm curious to what you'd say about this. You know, I feel like, um, you know, we all have intuition. That's like a primal human, mm-hmm. you know, we come downloaded with that. Um, I, I think I have an edge in this space just in terms of self-awareness and doing all my reflective work and, and, and developing my core teachings where, I've been writing my whole life. So self-awareness is very fortified as a result of that journaling specifically. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that, you know, I grew up on Taco Bell and some home cooked meals, but um, and a lot of the, uh, up until 1999, that was the last time I had fast food. Right. And then after that, like I just started tweaking and tinkering at the diet and, and you know, the last two decades have been like hardcore game on. Right. Um mm-hmm. Where I'm going with this is the whole intuition piece. I'm just so curious to, to, when you really started to feel your body, your health being optimized through your nutrition and your, just your lifestyle, you know, you said right now that you felt like you were more calm and you're more whole. Um, but do you also find that you're just more 
capable to really like trust yourself. Like you can sense things stronger. You can, you're more dialed into your intuition. I I feel like this is like your channels become more clear, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, you do have literally more clear cell communication when you're getting rid of all those toxins and you're getting rid of that body fat and all that stuff. And I actually just had a client last week. She's on week four of the protocol. I gave her the nutrition. She did the metabolic analysis and she's strength training. She does jujitsu. Um, she's like, I just feel like my, like she said the same thing. Like my instinct is better at things. Like she's like, and you know, where they made some like big life decisions about real estate and different things. And she's like, I just feel so like clear headed. Like I'm able to make these decisions very clearly. Like, and it's so funny you said that because that's exactly what she said to me last week. Although what does that have to do with? Um, there's a really great book called the gift of fear. And it talks about, um, how, women are basically, um, they're taught to accept help from strangers and things like that. And it's actually like, you know, puts them in unsafe positions. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of a self-defense type of book, but it's by this man, I forgot the author, but he, he basically, he tells us that our brain is wired to, um, analyze and perceive things and file that, that, knowledge away so that when you feel like something's off, it's because your brain has calculated that something's out of place. Right. So I think that's the same thing. You're giving your brain more support through high fat nutrition, um, better gut bacteria, the microbiome. We could talk about that all day because that the research on that changes all the time. Um, and so you're giving, you're giving your body the, uh, this, the proper nutrition. It needs to think clearly for your brain and for your nervous system. So yeah. I think it's all tied in. I yeah. I love that. That was such a great um, add in there because I truly have felt that, you know, when things start to really shift and like, mm-hmm. I know I've and always you should been always, a witch. You should always listen to your intuition. Always. I, I agree. Well, and the, but the, yeah. where the challenge is that a lot of people can't, they don't know it. They're not in it. And, and I do believe that toxicity mm-hmm. has a lot to do with that. Like I was just making the yes. joke of like, I've always known I'm a witch, but like my witchy witchiness. <laughs> became way well, more potent, you know, or I'm an alchemist, yeah. you know, and it's, it's not even like, it's not even witchcraft. It's just using your brain cells. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's something that I believe. It, and if, Hey, if you study Hawaiian culture, you see a lot of, you know, a lot of this where they're so in tune with nature mm-hmm. and they're so in tune with, you know, the cycles of astronomy and the cycles of the seasons. I mean, what they have like over 150 different names for what type of rain from which area. It's a fascinating culture. I'm completely in love with Hawaiian culture. Um, so it, that's part of it though, is they're paying attention. Their brain is understanding what's going on. So it's not even that there's there, they are like somewhat supernatural, I think, but like yeah. that supernatural ability comes from being able to access that. And that's where your superhero comes in again. You can be a superhero. You can access these things that seem like magic, mm-hmm. you know, like, that are very and, but, real. yes, yes. You can do that through changing your genetic expression, epigenetics, you're given your genes, but you can change the expression, turn this one on, turn this one off, um, in order to be the best, you know, that you possibly can be. And some people have longer telomeres, uh, you know, the ends of the chromosomes of your DNA, like, uh, so should we talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah, like tel- totally. telomere, yeah, telomeres are like, um, they're one of the biomarkers for aging. So you can think of them as like caps on your shoelaces and they get snipped off every time you 
do something toxic, smoking, drinking, high uh, refined carbohydrate, sugary foods, they will snip off the ends of your telomeres. Genetically, some people are born with really long telomeres Mm -hmm. and they're able to abuse their bodies longer. So you can say, why does this person get away with eating Oreos all day? But if I do that, I gain 10 pounds and I feel like crap. Well, if they're young, probably it's because they have longer telomeres, but eventually that that runs out, okay? You can do things to lengthen your telomeres. Exercise is one of them. And also, shockingly, red meat. <laughs> Eating red meat will lengthen your telomeres. And there's I didn't know that. that. Yes, yeah. That's um, awesome. So it's really, it's really exciting to be able to identify these, these markers and to, to do things to, to help them. Yeah, well, and so that, th- that's where the superhero-ness comes in. <laughs> I, I think it comes Change your that. body. everywhere in your conversation, which is so fascinating and so awesome. Yeah. And another thing, uh, because earlier when we were talking about like, you know, endurance, ultra running, and we know there's, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of research that shows that, you know, athletes that do more of this long duration, um, you know, form of exercise tend to shorten their telomeres because Mm -hmm. of, you know, because that's right. Yeah. We're not really, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's sorry. I was just going to say like, you know, that's a a good case in point again about this balance that we need to have. We need to have that burst of stress to adapt to it, but then be able to recover. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the the high intensity interval training or the sprint interval training, um, those types of workouts, strength training, of course we need, we need to build stronger bones. You know, you can watch a superhero movie and they have these, you know, synthetically stronger bones, but you can actually make, bones are living tissue. They're not just concrete structures. You can grow them, you can make them, um, you know, stronger and they regenerate, your bone cells regenerate every 10 years. So just think you have a new set of bones every 10 years. What are you going to do today about making your bones stronger? What choices can you make? So this is what I like to share is to empower yourself to, to uh, grow some superhero bones, grow some warrior bones. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Well, okay. So let's move into, so you essentially, uh, um, you know, your training schedule looks like what, how many days actually? Yeah. 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 My cousin was teasing me like, Oh, you can eat whatever you want with as much as you run. And I was like, how much do you actually think I run? (laughs) Because (laughs) do I run very intensely? I will run until I fall on the ground, but, uh, but no, I only run three days a week and I strength train four days a week. So so I run and I, I tend to do those on the same days. So I run on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I strength train, um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I do, do you, it the same day. So then I'd have the whole day to recover. Got and it. I, I definitely will do an ice bath if I'm very sore or if I, you know, feel like I need extra healing, I'll, I'll get in the ice bath, um, before my next day of training, hard training. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I bet a lot of people, cause people think this about me and it's not the truth at all, but I, they, I bet a lot of people think, Oh, you know, you got abs, you got shoulders. So you must go beast mode all the time. You're like, um, when I'm in it, I'm beast mode, but I'm not, it's not this like, right. 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 Yeah. And Charles, Charles had an expression. He said, uh, if you're strength training longer than an hour, you're making friends, not progress. So the strength (laughs) training, the strength training that, you know, he had a lot of his polykinisms as we call them. He, they were awesome. Yeah. uh, He had a, he had a bunch of really effective one-liners. I, could never be as good as that, but you know, like I love to share his wisdom. Um, but yeah, so my strength training is only about 45 minutes. My running training lasts about 45 minutes to an hour, but I'm not running that. I mean, I run for, you know, 
um, gosh, no longer than a minute tops, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that's on the longer days. That's on the longer days. So I'd say more like 30 seconds and then take a break and then 30 seconds, take a break. So again, I'm a longer sprinter. You can do the shorter sprints. And you were asking about how to start sprinting. Obviously, don't just go out there and put spikes on and start sprinting. There's a, a warm-up that I have on my YouTube, a dynamic warm-up. You can start with that. And then after that, you want to maybe start walking up a hill if you're absolutely brand new. Um, and then can uh, go to jogging up a hill. Um, but not very quickly. Maybe, I mean, really, if you're really beginning, take it as slow as possible so that you stay healthy. You don't get injuries. You strengthen all the little tendons needed. Um, so don't jump right into it, but you'll, you'll find success uh, with it pretty quickly just doing that. That's so great. Yeah. That's so, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll post the link to your YouTube um, with the dynamic warm up and oh, yeah. the uh-huh. people. Yeah. yeah. Because that's important. Warming, you know, how you, I know a lot of people think warm up uh, traditionally, it's like, let me just hold this stretch. It's like, uh, no, let's not do that. Yeah. Static <laughs> right? stretching is not good. No. Especially, yeah. Because I mean, our muscles are like rubber bands. If you keep pulling, it's just going to make it weaker and eventually it'll break. So it actually promotes injury, whereas the dynamic keeps everything very elastic and yeah. popping. And yeah. so you're, you're keeping that, uh, keeping that explosiveness in your muscles. And that's, that's good for your, um, for your, yeah, for keeping your, and for keeping your Everything. muscles as, as the organ of longevity, like, which is totally. Gabrielle, Gabrielle Lyons, one of my favorite lines of hers. I know. Is, right? uh, mus- so muscle is the organ of longevity. Love that. So Me concise too. and full of information in one line. <laughs> I know she's got a great, she's got so many home runs when it comes to that. Um, let's talk about recovery. That's important. You know, not just in your actual life, but when we think about recovery by way of sleep, I mean, sleep health is so important. It's, we're hearing more about sleep. It's kind of more in vogue, like breath work now, which gratefully so, because it's one of the greatest levers to health. I would love you, if you could talk about recovery, why it's important and, you know, some, um, actual, you know, ways at which people should be paying attention to their recovery. Yes. Um, again, like, uh, with the HPA access, you don't want overtraining. You want, don't want overstimulation, overstress. Um, so you need to pay attention to that recovery in order to balance that out and, uh, ways to do that or not, are not to overextend yourself to make sure you have your own quality time. Again, that self-care, whether it's a few minutes in the morning, a few minutes in the evening, both um, having some time to journal or write down a grateful log. So you got that's part of it as well. Um, not getting wrapped up in arguments that you can't win on social media or something like that, like really picking your battles as far as where your energy is going. So purposefully putting your energy in positive areas and ways that will help you grow and get better um, and your family, that sort of thing, or your loved ones, whoever they may be. And so doing that will help you with keeping that balance. And then making sure that you have I would say a few days a week, like I would rather see somebody train three days on and four days off rather than train six days on. Um, so I'm not a fan of a six day a week training period. Um, I think that that tends to overextend. And then when you're taking your recovery, making sure that you're actually actually recovering. I have a training partner who loves to do a million different things around her house and she shows up to practice sore 
<laughs> and then I'm like, what did you do on your day off? You're supposed to be resting, you know? So just be mindful about what are, what are you doing on your recovery day? So make sure you're actually recovering. Now, as far as sleep, sleep is the best tool for both athletic performance and for your biomarkers for aging. People who get less sleep actually have more chance of Alzheimer's, for instance, because we have something called the glymphatic system, which is like the lymphatic system in our body, but it's just in our brain. It was only discovered about 10 years ago. So the glymphatic system is when your brains shrink while you're sleeping, uh, your glial cells, and then your cerebrospinal fluid comes through and cleans up the trash, cleans up the metabolites and all the different trash. So you need to be able to recover and sleep in order for that to happen. If they don't come and pick up the trash, you end up with this beta amyloid plaque, which is associated with Alzheimer's, okay? And one night of bad sleep will already start to build up plaque. So you really, really have to be mindful of that. Um, the, uh, there, are, there is some research that it happens later in the sleep. And so having the longer sleep periods, there's been some question about that. Some people say, no, I'm fine with six hours, but the research clearly says at least seven hours, eight hours is better. 10 hours is fantastic. 11 is too much. So somewhere between the eight and 10 is yeah. the optimal period of time. I'm yeah. a 10 hour sleeper. Um, I feel really, really awesome after 10 hours of sleep. Uh, so there are some nutrients that you could be deficient in that will help you, that will uh, inter interfere with your sleep. So magnesium is one of them. Uh, magnesium glycinate is one of the more absorbable kinds, um, but l 3 and is a great one. Um, or an L-theanine, the uh, amino acid is great for sleeping. I'm not a fan of melatonin. Um, well, you can get into that another time, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, so I would rather do the sleep supplements with the magnesiums and the, um, L-theanine as a, and maybe some GABA. Sometimes there's some GABA that help, but that that's better for if you need something really to fall asleep, but otherwise just make sure you have enough magnesium in your diet or supplementation. And zinc is another one. There's a lot of research that says if you're zinc deficient, you're not going to sleep well. And that if you don't sleep well, you're zinc deficient. So it's like this, this cycle where right. it is really dependent on both. So you really need to have enough zinc. What has zinc? Well, seafood, of course, and red meat. <laughs> Again, I don't just love red meat just for the sake of loving red meat. There's a lot of reason why, like it just keeps coming back to the same story every time I go, oh, like, let me research sleep. Oh, red meat is good for sleep. Again, oh, red meat is good for this. It's good. You know, so I just keep yeah. finding the evidence. So yeah, uh, making sure you have enough zinc. Um, hormone disruption will cause you to have not good sleep. So there are different, if you're over fasting, for sure, you're not going to be able to sleep well. Um, sometimes when people do consume carbohydrates, like I do consume, mm -hmm. uh, 50 up to 70 grams, less than 70 grams usually, but I'll have those later on in the day. So those will help you sleep. You don't want to have carbohydrate carbohydrates for breakfast if you want energy because they tend to make you sleepy. So have them at night with dinner, which is sometimes opposite of what I think research was not hey, research, you? but with the, the yeah. mainstream mainstream uh I wouldn't even say research, I would just say like the mainstream yeah. narrative was don't eat carbs before bed if you want to lose weight. Right. right. So that was like, I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense for neurotransmitters. And if you don't get good sleep, you tend to hold weight. So there is a, if you look at obesity curves in countries mm -hmm. along with sleep curves, they're exactly the same. It's wow. insane. Yeah. Wow. So there's something to be said with that because if you're not getting your sleep, you're going to be more uh, apt to hold body fat. Yeah. So you well, really, it, really need your sleep. It affects your insulin levels. Yes, exactly. Right. It you're does. More hungry. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. I had a client with a continuous glucose monitor mm-hmm. and the worst blood sugar she had was from a poor night's sleep. Not anything she ate. She was testing honey. She was testing all different things. It was from the poor night's sleep. So yeah. just a bad rest. She had a restless night of sleep where she got up a few times. That night of sleep, the whole next day, her blood sugar was skyrocketed. Oh, I know. And just think if that happens to you all the time. Oh no. I know. No, I know. It's such a, you know, I feel for like new moms, you know, because it's like, what do you, you know, what do you Well, gotta... new moms though. Oh, I have an opinion about that too. Do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> if you want to bring it, I'm here for it. Okay. Um, well, I'm a fan of co-sleeping. You don't have to have them in your bed if you feel unsafe, but you, there are co-sleepers that have you next to you. But I found that Everyone gets the best sleep if the baby is right there, ready to nurse. Now there's a trend towards putting the baby in the other room, letting the baby cry it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to tell anybody how to parent, but I I will tell you that again, back to the HPA access, access, they found that mothers, whether they be um, dog, like canine mothers or human mothers, there's research for both. The more contact the baby had continuously the first few months of life, the more steady their emotional state was for their whole life via the HPA access. So if they were not nurtured and for, you know, for dogs, if they were not licked and groomed and, um, you know, and nuzzled and things like that, then they had a a poor stress reaction later in life. So they were more apt to have an, an aggressive stress reaction. So same with babies. So I'm a, again, because of the science yeah. and my own experiences and my client experiences, if your baby is waking up in the other room and you're having to get up and feed it, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, your sleep is more disrupted than if you have the baby right next to you and the baby's not waking everyone in the house up, but just kind of rolling over and feeding. Does right, that make right. sense? Oh, it makes so much sense. And so obviously I, I now- t- yeah. There's like safe things because I know from my uh, mm-hmm. my little nephews and niece, there's safe little beds that could be put yes. safe next put to right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I just believe that whatever is going to give you the best sleep is what you should do. I have clients that have said, well, my dog wakes me up all night and I'm like, you need to put the freaking dog outside then. <laughs> like, but it's my dog. What's more important? That you don't have Alzheimer's or that your dog gets to sleep in your bed. If, unless your dog is, how you sleep good, you know? So I'm telling you, whatever works for you, put, throw conventional, um, you know, if you're, if you sleep, if your husband sleeps and snores so loud that it wakes you up, then sleep separately. You can have your private time, your intimate time, another time of day. Like it's, you make it work. It is just really, really important that you get that sleep, that you both get really good sleep. And then we can address the snoring through nutrition in a different way. <laughs> but you, you are, you know what I love? And I, and I touched on this, but I just have to say it right now again. I love, I love that everything that you do, everything that you share, you know, do as in like your work, um, you know, with your clients, uh, to your own life and, you know, everything that you share when you come out and speak on channels like this, it's, it's one part I want you to feel your best and kick ass uh, to within your best ability right here, right now, while also being so mindful about the trajectory of aging. That is so yes. important. You know, I am, that's the thing I care about most. It's not just so I could, you know, kick ass right now and look great. Yeah, I want that too. 
But what I want to do when I'm 80, if I get to be 80, 85, is I want to be cognitively robust. I want to be yes. able to get out of my chair without mm-hmm. your help. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Like I respect help. I mean, help, but you know, and I, and I love that, that that is literally at the core of, of everything well, that you share. And we have to address it now because by the time the amyloid beta uh, plaque or the beta amyloid plaque um, uh, builds up, it's already been doing it. By the time they can test for it, it's already been doing it for like 20 years. It's already starting in the, you know, in people's twenties. And so that's why I'm like so passionate, like yeah. stop telling our athletes they need power aid smoothies and right. all this sugar. This is really doing them a disservice, like yeah. really. And especially if they have the APO. Um, I believe it's APOE1, yeah, yeah. Well, genetic and, variation. So. And most people don't know because they're not doing this comprehensive test no. to even know yeah. if they have that. And of so course, it's hardly like, anybody does it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so, oh my gosh. Okay. So Cynthia, you're, <laughs> I'm, I mean, we have many more conversations to have. Um, <laughs> so, so, so grateful. I have a few things uh, that i like to do with my guests when I wrap out. Um, but th- first, just, is there anything, I know we've talked about a lot of things and I know that we have a lot more conversations to have, but is there anything that you would like to specifically uh, speak about to live in this conversation that we haven't touched on yet? Oh man, we've, we've touched on a lot. So unless you, I'm like a little encyclopedia. So if you bring up one thing like the, you know, like the coast, (laughs) the, the pregnant or, you know, the mothers, like it'll, it'll spark something. But, um, yeah, I think I, you know, we covered my main passions, which is to share with others one method of how you could, you know, feel your best and have better aging markers and just, you know, find that warrior, find that superhero self. So that was, that's the main passion I have to get on these and talk about. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, um, one of the questions I love to ask my guests is if you had a magic wand and you could give the masses one positive habit that would have the largest ripple effect on their life, what would it be and why? One positive habit. Um, I would say to have the confidence to, um, to do what your creative self wants to do. So if you feel like you need to dress in purple every day for the next year, um, because that means something to you, then I think you should do that. Like if you want to, I mean, I don't even know, like if you want to start building something out of, you know, stuff in your yard, like just do it. Like don't let something hold you back. That is a preconceived societal notion. Like always ask questions and always follow your instinct of what you want to create and do. Um, creativity, I believe, is part of if you want to believe in God or call God whatever you want to, you know, call it the mm-hmm. supreme being or this uh, universal energy. That creativity is a representation of that, I believe. So that's the way we move forward in society. That's the way we become who we are. That's what gives you your confidence is because you're doing that. You're creating that. Nobody else is. So I would say, don't be afraid to say how you feel and act those feelings out in your most creative self. And by the way, creativity comes from REM sleep. So if you're sleeping well, your creativity is going to be boosted. So get some good sleep and show me your best creative ideas. That's what I would say. (laughs) I love that. That's so wonderful. Okay. So the last piece here to this incredible conversation is I have a, a series of words that I hit at you rapidly. You don't have to be rapid in your response. It doesn't have to be like a one word response. Um, it's okay. just whatever comes top of mind, top of heart when you take these words in. 
Ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. First word is love. My family. Beautiful. Uh, next <laughs> word is fear. Oh, fear. Oh, for some reason, a snake popped into my head, but... <laughs> You're not the first that person be, who said that. That could be instinctual. I don't know. <laughs> we have, by the way, there are no snakes in Hawaii. So I know. Now, now everyone knows why I live here. <laughs> the truth comes out. Yeah, I love the weather. Yeah, I love the mana, but it's the snakes. They're not here, so we're good. <laughs> no snakes. <laughs> Paradise in every way. Plenty of it. vitamin D and no snakes. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Winning. Um, I love it. Okay, next word is courage. Courage. Gosh, again, uh, courage, it makes me think about confidence. Like have, gosh, I, you don't know how many times people have tried to, um, censor me on different opinions that I've had because they're strong or they're controversial. And, and I guess, you know, even saying because of the society that we live in, like you said, uh, that Gabrielle said food offends people. Like the fact that I, when I stand up and say, Hey, red meat can be part of a healthy diet. My doctor says I have the best blood work he's ever seen in his life. Every single year, he tells me this, he 100% backs what I'm saying, what I'm doing, have the courage to speak up when you know something is working and when it's right. Love that. So good. Next word is challenge. Challenge. Ooh, I feel like challenge. The next word I think of is winning. Yeah. <laughs> I will win that challenge. What is it? I'll do I it. Love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Hot dog eating contest, maybe not, but <laughs> no, but you give do me another challenge. You got a competition coming up at the end of this month, right? Yes, I so, do. Yes. So I can't wait to cheer you on in spirit. Thank you. I'll uh, do I'll yeah. probably do a little video of me eating my steak at the track meet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. And I get to compete with my daughter. So that's really special. She's competing in the same track meet. Yeah. She's 15 now. So that is so badass. Yeah. How fun. What a a memory to build. She is a badass too. 4.0 student, great athlete, gets up at five in the morning to get her weight training in. We didn't even talk about, oh, we didn't even talk about um, on the phone. We talked about my wrestler, right? We didn't even get to that. So yeah, she's a champion too. She, we, my husband and I got to coach the number one female wrestler in the nation this year. Um, and she was also dedicated, like my daughter, very similar mindset. Um, just, you know, got the job done. Sweet person. Wonderful. So we'll, we'll have to talk about that another time. (laughs) And we will. And, you know, and the thing is, is it's not surprising to hear this stuff because you, you know, um, it's not just the information that you have, but I think it's the way that you package and share it. You know, it's very, um, you know, I, and I know mother daughter could be interesting, but I feel like, you know, you, I feel like you're, it's very easy for your daughter to like, look up to you. You know, there's, there's integrity, there's compassion, there's intelligence, you know, there's strength. And these are, these are beautiful traits to, to to carry. Yeah, totally. So I, I, I'm not surprised that your daughter would have these um, traits as well in her or all of your children, you know, not surprised at all. So I love that. And I can't wait. Yeah. We have so many more conversations to have. I mean, <laughs> that. Um, off record and on record. Um, yes. <laughs> um, the next word uh, I want to ask you about is, or throw at you rather, is passion. Ooh, passion. Mm. 
Well, you know what? I have found the love of my life and that passion just keeps getting hotter every year, every day. I swear, like, I'm all like, how did I get this lucky? But I'll tell you what the secret to that was. I think I didn't know what I wanted when I was younger. Like I couldn't really pinpoint what partner I wanted. I was a little confused. Like, do I want this? Do I want that? Or, you know, different, different ways that we're end up being attracted to different people. But when I decided and I intentionally like wrote down, like, this is what I want. I want someone who's going to be a great dad, great family man, but also we have like a super hot chemistry, like all of it. That's what, that's what I got. And that's what I, I'm still getting. And it keeps getting better. All of it. He's just such a wonderful family man, such a great dad. The community loves him. You go anywhere. Everyone's like, Zane, what's up? You know, like I just, you know how important community I was is just gonna, in Hawaii. Yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's born and raised here. And um, yeah, I just feel like passion. That would be, you know, this awesome chemistry experiment we've got going on. <laughs> that makes me so happy. I love yeah. that so much. And I totally validate that. I mean, I do believe that, you know, what we, what we feel and what we know, what we, you know, where we're living from inside is what we project mm-hmm. outside. Right. And so, yes. we, and also what we call in. So mm-hmm. it makes perfect yeah. sense to me. Yeah. And my friend asked me, what would you, you know, say about your relationship or something like that? And I'd said, um, you know, I would say that he accepts me for who I am, no matter what, and vice versa. So he really, I couldn't do this without his support. Like I couldn't be out there running my track meets and training hard. Like, you know, he's, he's got to be my partner in this. And so I asked for that and he is it plus more, like, you know, sometimes he's like, when was the last time you had a steak? I better make you a steak. (laughs) You know, let me, let me go ahead and whip up some steak for you. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't had a steak for two days. Oh, I better... (laughs) better make some steak for you. So yeah, I just, well, and, I, you know, I think that's teammate. what it is. He's a yes. teammate. You're a teammate. Mm-hmm. And I think real healthy partnerships are exactly that it's teamwork, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we touched on this word a little bit or you did rather, but I'm still going to present it right now because it's okay. words. Um, but, um, actually, no, we didn't. Sorry. It was curiosity. I, I, curiosity. I, I think of creativity and curiosity together, mm-hmm. but yeah, curiosity is the word. So curiosity makes me think of uh, research. Um, I'm really, really into reading all that research every week. It's not a chore for me. It's not a job for me. I love it. And I love to write little articles about different things. Um, I've got several on my website, uh, my little articles page, my blog page. And so I just put all those thoughts and ideas that I'm curious about into an article and hopefully it helps other people. I love it. Okay. Two more words. Resilience. Wait, so what? Resilience. Oh, I thought, you, okay. I was like, Brazilians? Oh, I have two. I'm, tra- I'm training two Brazilians right now. How did you know? Oh, I'm just kidding. But I am. But um, okay, resilience. Resilience. I love that word. You know what? Resilience means that you came upon a, a struggle, like, and you survived and you got better. And that is what we've been talking about this whole entire podcast is that Yes, you need that struggle. You need that little burst of, um, you know, whether it's sprinting or just that burst of challenge and then be able to become stronger for it, but not too much challenge. So resilience, I'd say, makes me think of that that little struggle that you have and the confidence that you feel from getting over it. And also the, the physical, mental, and emotional strength that you get from getting over that little struggle. Love it. So good. Yeah. Final word. 
Excellence. Excellence. Oh gosh. Excellence. Hmm. So that again makes me think about winning and about, um, you know, being your best, but also what is the purpose of that? Like, what is the purpose of your winning? What is the purpose of being your best? And it should be ultimately that you are happy, right? So I'm happy when I feel great and I'm able to give my family attention because I have energy for the whole day. I can take my kids to jujitsu. I can take my daughter to track. I can help coach her team. Um, so the excellence comes in. What am I doing that makes me continuously happy and sharing that with other people? Maybe that can also make them continuously happy. That, that's what excellence really is to me. It's not actually the trophy. It's the process of it. <laughs> I love that so much. Literally, I'm not kidding. I, I'll send you the clip because people are going to be like, oh my God, they're, they're home. I, oh, that's, yeah. that, that's how I frame it. It's a process. Mm-hmm. It's, oh yeah. yeah. It's a process. I mean, and there's no right or wrong or better answer. It's just, it's cool when it's like, yep, I'm with you girl. It's, it's a process. I love it. Yeah. You are incredible. I, like I said, um, I'm not only grateful to have this conversation with you, um, but I'm really excited to get to know you and be friends with you and to have so many more conversations and also to have you in my toolkit now. So I can send, you know, uh, people to you to, you know, start feeling better in their lives and, mm-hmm. and kick ass in all the ways that we know that they can. So, um, thank you for, for being a contributor, for carving out this time and I'll have ever in the show notes, but if you want to give a shout out to best places to connect with you, to work with you, Instagram and all that, I would love that. Yeah, sure. My, uh, I, well, I just deleted my Facebook. It wasn't serving me and I I thought it was nonsense. So I deleted Facebook and Twitter. So I'm not on that anymore. Um, I am still on Instagram. Uh, and that's the best way to find me. And my, I share, I guess the most recent posts and things like that on Instagram. I try to share, um, every, you know, a few times a week at least. And, uh, also on my website, which is, oh, sorry. My Instagram is at fast over 40, the number 40, uh, which is also the name of my book. It's on Amazon there. Um, the link to buy the book is in my bio on my Instagram and also uh, my website, you can get a signed copy. And my website is MAM, M-A-M, 808.com. It stands for Metabolic Analytics of Maui. So MAM, 808.com. I love uh, that. Yeah, so I'll, make sure, I'll make sure that there's a, a link to, to to be able to get your book. I, I truly loved your book. Again, it, it was a fast. Thank you. Short really and sweet. <laughs> yeah, and powerful. With a training guide. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so valuable. So I'll make sure that there's a link there. Um, thank you again. I can't wait to come meet you in real life, but I feel like we'll have several conversations before that happens, even though that will be oh, yeah. later. So yeah, thank you so, so much. Talk You're welcome. You Mahalo. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. You guys, if you loved it, please share it on your social Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired, 
to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.